Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chips and Bits podcast. I am your host, Kenny Myers, and with me for eternity, Matthew Anderson. That's right. And today uh, is going to be a really fun day. But first, as you know, we have to do businessy podcast things. Mm, business. Uh, yeah, you can find all this at our site, chips-and-bits.com. Uh, we have a Patreon where you can support us and you actually get access to a lot of really neat content. We have Twitter where you can follow us and you get access to us linking to our website that you just followed through the website. Uh, but really, Patreon's where the goods are for now. Um, and we got a lot of updates, uh, hopefully in the future. This uh, is the penultimate season episode of... Uh, of uh of our of our season 11 our first youtube season and it, people finally get to see how good you look matt uh which is really nice uh yeah and so you know what i think uh i think i'm gonna start the show Today we are talking about Death's Door, a surprise game that was not on our list at the beginning or was even in our, our field of view uh, when we started this year. Uh, Death's Door is made, uh, published by Devolver Digital, made by a very small developer named Acid Nerve, technically the core team, although I did check this later because it is kind of hyped this way. Uh, it's really just two people. Um, although they did recruit artists and stuff. Not a huge amount, though. Not um, a surprising small amount uh, for what, in my opinion, is is a contender for me for Game of the Year. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's an original game. Like the, There's a really interesting discussion in gaming going on right now about like originality in gaming and like what the value of that is. So, like for example... Is it really Horizon- interesting? I think it's interesting. Like, is a game better because it's original or like is a really refined idea of a concept like like those two things next to each other, which has more value, you know, Uh, it's just there's a lot of games that are like really polished versions of already established uh, tropes. uh, And they're like the best versions of those. But the the main contention point is that like bringing a new idea to the table uh always elevates a game versus like just doing really good with what we already know. Death Store is doing excellent with things that we already know. The closest corollary um, I think we have is Hyperlight Drifter. Um, I think uh, with a little more puzzles. It's very much more like in the Zelda game than the action game that was Hyperlight Drifter. Um, the puzzles are very unique. The world design is like and lore around it i think is phenomenal and the bosses in particular are just so spectacular to look at like they're so thoughtful in their aesthetics um and how they're used in the level i think i just have nothing but praise for this game so i'd be really curious what uh what you what you feel how you feel about it matt because we actually haven't really talked about this game much like we do some other games yeah we haven't we kept it we close to the vest on this one. We did really um, close. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, let's get the most important thing out of the way right up front. And that is that the art direction in this game is fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, and it's so like detail, like even little details. The best one is if you cut a sign and then read it, like then read the, it. the words yeah. cut in half, like the, the way the bird acts during like cutscenes and stuff. I don't know if you noticed this, but like if you were watching the bird, uh, like during when a bad guy's talking or anything, it'll just be like doing like normal bird things uh-huh. and like looking around. Yeah. Um, I actually one of my one of my favorite parts of the game outside of the art direction you're kind of alluding to, and that is they did such a good job of bridging the gap between you playing just a just a crow <laughs> yeah. versus playing like a, a like a superhero, like a like a Zelda, like a, a powerful character. And so yeah. there were time it was it was really surprising to me how quickly it went from oh what a, this is cute like oh what a neat looking crow to like you just sometimes you just forgot you were you were playing as a crow. You're just like wow I am. I am death. <laughs> like I'm just, yeah. I'm just destroying things. And then they would switch back and forth, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I'm a cute bird again. This is neat." And they play with it like thematically, like the humor in how the crow, like obviously, is a symbol of death, murder of crows. You know, it's black. Black is an association. Death obviously plays a big uh, piece of this. It's called Death's Door, and it is about uh, essentially delivering souls, which, as you know. Carrying Souls, one of my favorite things to do in games. Uh, it's probably one of my favorites. And uh, the concept is uh, you are assigned souls from a bureau that looks like something out of like a 1950s like typewriter pool um, to go and uh, rescue essentially these souls that have been around too long but have gained a lot of power. Um, and each area, there's only three but each area is very distinct in both its puzzles and its visuals, and it has really cool uh, value once you unlock powers, like a lot of Metroidvanias or Zelda games coming back and then unlocking new little nice things in the area. Um, it has a really adorable cast of NPCs and characters and little cultures that they built. Um, in particular, my personal favorite, which I wouldn't be surprised if Matt says, is there's an octopus controlling a dead human corpse. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> and it's so funny uh, just because of how the conversations go. And then you get to be a crow eating soup. Um, but also, it, it literally is you just see this uh, octopus tendril controlling this very, very decayed corpse. Um and looks so nefarious, um, but is so delightful. Uh, and all the characters are kind of like that. They all have kind of their own reason for being it. There's Pothead, who uh, got so his head turned... It's great. <laughs> it's such a good <laughs> pun. Uh, who got his head turned into a pot. Um, there's the old crow, uh, who's who kind of starts you on the bigger adventure. Essentially, it, it uses the format of, like, prologue. Uh, you know, you come to the old crow and it opens up the main game and then he's a part of the the whole thing. And he um, he has his own unique little twist that I really loved. Um, Matt, tell me more. You love the art direction. I uh, did. I, I also agree with you. I thought the, the bosses in particular were uh, well-crafted. They were, they were quite difficult, um, like enough of a challenge that it definitely felt like it was worth uh, the wait to get to them in each section. Particularly, I... It, 
in line with Pothead and all these other things, uh, I also thought just the names of the bosses were were spectacular. They were they were they were totally stupid. Um, and you know, like you, you'd go one of the first ones you fight is a witch, and you go through her mansion, and it's filled with urns that you break. And then you finally meet her, and her name is the Witch of Urns. <laughs> just you know, it's like they didn't really try hard. But even the first one, the first one you you wind up uh, fighting, you go into um, a forest, and you there's there's a cutscene, and it says you know, careful when you see things like this, it will be representative of a, of a of a demonic spirit. Yeah. Uh, and then the boss name comes up, and it says demonic forest spirit <laughs> it's just it's just stupid like it's it's a good gag it works every time every time you run into a new boss you're like yeah that's a really clever clever name um right like right just only one step down from how great the art direction was i also feel like i need to specifically call out because again a lot of what was experienced in this game to me was surprising like it it presents itself as just another indie game and so you're expecting to, there to be like some cut corners and for things to not really feel polished and to not really be surprised too much. Uh, and instead, there's there's another layer under here in the music. And oh my you know, god, it is it is some of the greatest music I've experienced in some time. And it's so unexpected. And it's it's tied to um, the, fight, the the fighting mechanics. It's tied to each unique uh, place in the world. It's tied to whether you are wayfinding or battling or in a boss fight or you know underground and it gets quiet i mean they, they put so much effort into it i was just i was blown away every time and i found myself like i would stop playing the game and then i was humming the title music i mean it was it was excellent it also does something in games that i really love and i think you do too is where the collectibles like the things that power you up feel worth getting and there's enough of them where it never feels terrible. Um, like, where you're just like, oh, like Assassin's creed you know, where you're like just opening 3,000 treasure chests. More like Tomb Raider, like, there are definitive reasons to find these things, and they're super helpful. Uh, and it's a game, I, I feel like, you need it. I don't think this game ever actually got easier. I think its challenges uh, were so well designed. In particular, I actually thought the hardest boss in the game was a character named Betty who is uh, Betty's the name of the abominable snowman, the Yeti in the, in the North and very charming, but um, yeah, you fight Betty. And that was really hard. Um, and I felt like if I, if I didn't have all the power-ups I had at that point and like the life, cause this has similar uh, Zelda esque like magic and, and life power-ups where you collect four and you unlock, you know, an extra heart. Like she would have been twice as hard like so difficult and that's so nice like but i never felt like the natural progression if i just played straightforward i felt like i could have probably taken her but getting all the extra stuff was so interesting and enjoyable and not too tedious so yeah so that those are some of the things um that i really liked kenny (laughs) um and there was a lot of other things i didn't like about this game um, oh, interesting. Go ahead. The, the part I would be most critical of, and, and certainly the thing that bothered me and I found irritating the most, was the absolute uh, difficulty of wayfinding through the different worlds. Um, not just, I mean, for this style of game, I sometimes expect a lack of a map. Um, and when there is no map, sometimes there can be a, a huge benefit to paying more attention to the world and sort of uh, learning where things are. The, the randomness of sort of how 
how much you have to backtrack and go through the different places through the door mechanic is really, really confusing from the sense that like, if you don't remember an exact location, compass based, uh, as far as like which, which compass direction you need to go in to get to the next place, you yeah. will walk around in circles a lot in this so game. So tedious. Uh, the, you're right. The hub world, not like there's the crow central and then there's like a central world that leads you to the other worlds was so obnoxious with, and you very, and you got very little direction. It was just like to the West. And you're exactly. like, uh, okay, but there's so many different pieces to the West. I agree. That was really tedious. Um, especially and it doesn't really work. The either. Like, yeah, yeah. When they were like, you need to head to the North, you'd start heading North, but like the paths don't always go straight. Cause it, yeah. I mean the, the, again, on the good side of that credit, the, the levels were really well designed. I mean, yeah. they, they look great. They feel great. There's a lot of different ways that you can go. It feels exciting, but that means that there isn't a straight path most of the time from yeah. objective to objective. So you would start heading north and then all of a sudden you're you're turning south and you're like is this even going to take me the way that I need to go? I have no idea where I'm going. The the biggest uh biggest world where that became problematic where a map would have been helpful uh which this game does need a map and I don't think it would hurt the game at all is uh the second world which is like a forest but the temple is actually divided into parts that you access in different pieces of the forest. Uh it's so confusing. I got lost there constantly uh, and like I lucked into where I needed to go many times in this game. And that's, that was unfortunate. Like it really does feel like that would have been solved with a map because it would have given you some indication of what you haven't seen. Yep. Uh, yeah. The, and then the other thing that stuck out to me was you hit the nail on the head in the fact that like, I, I thought the sort of uh, progression, how, how valuable the, the leveling mechanic was and then the different weapons you could pick up and how those slightly uh, changed how you would fight. There, there was some really good stuff in the, uh, how you progressed through the game. And, but then at the same time, those things were much more interesting and much more rewarding than the actual uh, fighting mechanic. So like, as you got faster, so if you leveled yourself up and made yourself faster or made, yourself, uh, made your dash recharge faster that felt really rewarding because it, it did change how effective you could be in combat. But you were still, from start to finish, using roll, strike, and heavy strike. And that was it. That was, that was literally it. Um, there's, no, you know, there's no real block mechanic. There's no real timing other than just rolling out of the way. And I, it just got really boring to me. Uh, so the bosses helped with that because the bosses were so well-designed and so exciting that... Every time you got there, you were like, okay, that, that last grind was sort of worth it. But otherwise, you're, you're doing a lot of button mashing through the same enemies with the same combos to, to get to the next boss. And there's only three of the bosses. So um, that just kind of felt like a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, and that's where it like enters the sort of weird indie forgiveness zone, right? Like a complex combat system or something that leveled beyond, uh, essentially they have magic speed, like it's magic dash and hit. Uh, and even like the weapons didn't really make that much of a difference. Although certain monsters reacted differently. Uh, I generally just use the first sto- sword. There is a cheat, an achievement if you beat the game entirely with the umbrella. And there was no way I was going to do that. <laughs> uh, but they, like they're, they're a little quicker or a little more powerful. I think I switched to the super sword at the end. Ah, excuse me. Yeah. I used, so there was quite, quite a few times, especially, I think it was, um, now I'm forgetting which boss it would have been. Oh, I think it was Betty. Betty was so um, like Twitch based, uh, like mm-hmm. super fast in, in how she moved, and 
you only had a couple, a kind of a split second. She would do this roll attack and then jump up in the air and land. And you only had a, a really quick moment to like get get uh, one swipe in with the sword. And so for her, I think I beat her on the third try, and I had switched to like the fast knives, the two handed knives, so you could get like two swipes in. Um, yeah, and then get get out of there. Uh, so yeah. I, I did switch weapons a couple of times, but really I just think it was just the lack of because they they had that whole branch of magic um, or magic weapons, but uh, but effectively it's just it's just ranged. It's just a ranged weapon, and it didn't it didn't really change much. It, it changed how you solved the puzzles, which was cool. Yeah, but it didn't change how you engaged with enemies or what happened to those enemies or anything like that. Except for the bosses, where it could have different effects on them. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, in that case, it very much is like Legend of Zelda. Like, it's just a very, Legend of Zelda doesn't really have an exciting combat system, uh, ever. Uh, it's usually just hit, yeah, uh, attack. I mean, there are different sword strokes, which this was limited by being 2D versus other Zelda games. Oh, Matt, can you turn up your mic a little bit? Your levels are very low. Yes, sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, and so I, I didn't. I enjoyed the world so much and like the benefits so much that that stuff was annoying, but not enough that I wasn't like trying to do everything in the game that I could. Uh, like for me, like you talk about the world movement stuff. Uh, I didn't find the soup guy, the octopus, until m- late in the game. But I could have gone much earlier to the game and found him. Uh, and he gives you hints where things are, and that's super yeah. nice. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. Yeah, he- I think I found him like right around the time I was about to take on the third boss. That was it. Mm. Um, and he was available yeah. much earlier. He was, yeah. And it, it was great, because he would update what he told you based on if you'd found the previous secret that he that he talked with you about. Yeah, it's great. I, I love that mechanic. Um, I've actually been replaying Super Mario Odyssey and they have parrots in there that'll give you like hints about what the next thing is in a similar way. Super nice. Like better than having to look it up at the internet as far as ego goes. Like you're just like, yeah, it's an in-game mechanic, so it's fine. Uh, it's fine. It's fine what I'm doing. That's, that's my marker. I have a marker of like, if this is like minute 30 uh, looking for something stupid, uh, I am going to look online. Like I, I just, unless I'm truly in love with the game and the look is a part of it, I'm just like, life is precious. Um, let's see. What else I want to talk about? There's another thing that was like a weird part of the mechanics is they had like tutorials, but I don't know if you had this issue, but there's this thing, there's sewers in the game. Uh, and I had no idea what to do with those until I looked it up online. Like, oh, and the I things you have to pounce into? You bounce into, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was you, no you sort of dis- indication. Uh, you, there's a time in which you kind of discover the mechanic um, in, in one area in the last level. Um, yeah. There, there's, you kind of like, you kind of, that's how I figured it out. You just kind of roll into it. And then it was like, yeah, oh. I was looking up something else completely. And it was like, and you just get in the sewers. And I'm like, get in the sewers? Well, I thought those were special things I needed to unlock. Uh, they do look like that. Yeah, you can just jump in those things in the beginning, and like I, my, uh, sent me through that whole first world all over again. Mm-hmm. Ah, let's see. I have a list. I actually wrote some stuff. Um, one thing uh, you really talked about and kind of hit the nail on the head uh, was just about how thoughtful a lot of like 
the art direction or the design of the crow is. And on my notes, I have this thing like the lore of the world is really interesting. And they did a really good job, like you said, of blending that humor with what is ultimately a very sad story about death. Um, And I thought they did a really nice job uh, presenting that. And in fact, one of my favorite moments in the game is when you have retrieved all the major souls and you go to the old crow and then he finds out he's like, he's just been living a lie uh, and has probably one of the most visually striking, beautiful boss fights and like frantic, difficult, but fun Mm -hmm. where you fight him and the transformation and like, is, is just one of probably my favorite moments in games this year. That gray crow fight was just like, it was, it was new, like just how the presentation just felt very new in how things are presented. It was a combination of many, many things, but I really, really loved that presentation and the, there's obviously the underlying darkness that comes with this gross, just like complete yeah. jump into in like loss of sanity. Um, and it's, uh, it was just a beautiful sequence. I really loved that sequence. Agree. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it's really hard for me to put my finger on where I, where I land entirely with this game because it's it's one where I certainly, based on my experience and all the things that they do so well, I, I feel like it's a game you have to recommend to people. And at the same expense, I also feel like I need to point out like I won't be surprised if you know half the people I recommend this game to never finish it. Um, that's just sort of like the vibe that I get. And it's, and it's weird because I know sometimes we run into situations where we play games and our overall thought is, yeah, you know, it needed to be shorter or, you know, if only it was longer. And I don't know if either of those would have solved my, my particular individual gripe with this game. I think it just needed, I mean, like certainly a, some, just one more trick uh, or piece of something, some variable in, in the fighting mechanic that would have made it slightly more interesting but then I think it's some combination, actually, of I think the worlds themselves could have been compressed slightly, and maybe then there could have been one more boss or two more bosses in smaller worlds. Um, something, Some hybrid approach to that, I think, probably would have got me through. And then, man, if they had just... I don't even need a map. Like I think if what they were trying to get across was, hey, like be immersed in this world, when it was working, it worked really well for me. And I thought they did a good job of keeping me looking around and like participating. I think I just needed one of those like, you know, like subtle, um, just like a little navigation cursor or something where I could pick an objective and it would just like subtly guide me. Or, you know, sometimes they'll use those ghost mechanics where you press a button uh, and a little ghost, a little wispy goes in the general direction of where you should go. The wind. Yeah, exactly. The wind. Yeah. It's like just something to make me feel like I'm at least going in the right direction. (laughs) I think would have really helped. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely it's definitely a, a linear game with like exploratory angles, but I, I see your point there. I think, I mean, right now you have the internet. Like you could just look, like we could just say, like this game was great. You could make it go a lot quicker if you just look up where to go on the internet in the hub world. Everything else is pretty straightforward from there. I feel like once you get out of the hub world, the maps are a lot more linear. Um, they're a lot less complicated. Some doors are obscured in weird ways just by how they're isometric. Um, but I mean, I I loved this game, tedium and all. I I thought it was just a delight. 
Like, I'm so glad to have played it. I, I think that the bosses, the way the game looked was something I hadn't really seen before um, in that detail. And I love my little crow character, the bringer of yeah. truth. He's great. There's so much, there's so much tiny, like attention to detail too, that we haven't even hinted on yet. Cause we're just talking globally about the art direction, but yeah, there's this neat, there's this neat visual mechanic where um, every time you go back to the, the world of doors, uh, everything's in black and white, except for, you know, certain elements that you've collected from the real world. And over time, they just like sort of amass in this desk. Pile up. Desk. Yeah. Cause yeah. Every, all the crows have desks that they work from. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, it just starts piling up in this collection. And again, like every time you transition through, it affects the music. So the music sort of goes back to the main title thing, but it's kind of like muted and subdued. Cause you're, you're in the black and white world. And then you step into a new world and it's, and it's in color. And um, as you transition between uh, lighting phases, some of the different weapons that you have, um, are lit up so they all have different colors and they kind of look like like lightsaber effects like this, mm-hmm. this glowing neon effect with all your crow's weapons and that's really well done i mean there's just so many little intricate details that again it's just you wouldn't expect um all of that stuff to have been done so well for what seemed like a, a pretty small game and you don't know you don't think you would recommend this game wholeheartedly i think yeah i think i would have to caveat because i mean i think it's wow I think it's what's wrong with you pretty good. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Um, and I think if you're into, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I think what I would say is, do you like Zelda games? <laughs> if you like Zelda games, you'll love this game. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's if, a great game. If you think Zelda games are all right, or like you like some and you don't like others, which is me, um, mm-hmm. then you might not like this game. You might get through it, but I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't. That's my only thing. You might get through it and do the secret ending. Yeah, you might, but yeah, I was already like I was doing it because I knew you were doing it at that point. But you know, you didn't have um, to. You know the rules. That's not the game. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's just at that point in time, I was, I was, you know, I was at least invested in the story, and I was like, is something else going to happen here? And again, to be fair, without giving anything away, because it's the secret of the game. But when you try, uh, when you initially progress past the original ending of the game, right away, in order to start getting into the the other ending you do something to the whole world that you've been playing that mm-hmm. changes it dramatically. And it's so cool. I mean, again, I, I know I'm getting nitpicky here, but like for the stuff that they did well, this is another example without giving it away where just all of a sudden it's so cool. <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe they fit this into this game. It's crazy. Also, they, there's a part where you get to carry the octopus. That's pretty fun. The, yeah. The, the, <laughs> on your back <laughs> yeah. the whole time. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's our recommendation. Kenny says, uh, play this game of the year candidate game of the year candidate matt says good game no matt, matt says game matt says good good for zelda fans yeah good game i mean zelda fans like good games because they're zelda games anyway let's move forward uh this has been the chips and bits podcast thank you so much for listening uh i'm kenny myers and i'm matthew anderson and we will talk to you next month about death loop storm bullet Oh, yeah. Deathloop. Yeah, man. That'll it. And that'll close the season. Then we do games of the year. For Patreons. For Patreons. All right. Well, Matt, bye. Bye.